This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And me, my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 352, recorded Thursday, November 30th, 2017. <laughs> I like how you emphasize the date there. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I decided to punch it a little differently this time. Why not? You should. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is our feedback show for season eight, episode six. Uh, but first, Jason, I have to ask you if everyone is feeling better in your family now. Oh, absolutely not, my friend. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, now Jenny is sick. Oh, that's what you need. Yeah, so now we're all, uh, we're all, we're all, we're all sick here. But uh, we did get a, a final diagnosis for Jasper. He's got an ear infection. So we actually had a nice listener write in and say, uh, throwing up and random fevers, uh, it's probably an ear infection. And so, uh, yeah, doctor agrees with you. So uh, good times. Yeah, that was a listener uh, sent us a message on Facebook. Uh, so ear uh, infection. And yeah, and thank you very much. And uh, yeah, advice like that is pretty good uh, because uh, we really have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> uh, we are, you know, just slightly unqualified for what, you know, what we're en uh, endeavoring to do here. Well, you're new parents and, well, yeah. and he's only a year and a bit old. So these things happen. And, and that's why there are doctors and professionals and podcast listeners on the internet to tell you what's going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, I hope, I hope he feels better soon. I hope you feel better soon. I hope Jenny feels better soon. And we can just get back to normal. And I hope this all happens soon, soon enough that you guys aren't like sick all through the holidays or something crazy like that. I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, very uh, uncomfortable here for everybody. Actually, if you're still sick at Christmas, I think you should probably look into that further because you should be better by then. I should be better by then. I should be better by now. All right. This is a separate cold. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Uh, all right. Well, now that we have an update on the health of Jason's family, um, I want to update something else, and that is the Amazon situation. Oh, yeah. If you were listening to us at the end of uh, last or earlier this week's on Mon Monday's podcast, you know that uh, while we were trying to do this Amazon for charity thing and Amazon shut it down and cut us off, uh, for all the details, you can listen to the end of last uh, week's show. Um, but just as a quick update here, I am still waiting for a response from Amazon's sort of second level customer support team. Now they did say it would take three to five days, so it's only been two days and I'm kind of not expecting to hear from them until next week, likely, likely. So, you know, that's okay. It's going to happen, I hope, and I will follow up if it doesn't. But I just wanted to say that so many listeners and so many of you have written in sort of with support, and it's just been fantastic. Now, people have offered to contact Amazon on our behalf. They have offered and, and, and they, and they've offered to just send in, you know, a donation directly to the charity, send in donations to us, which we can forward on to a charity. And I mean, I really, really appreciate all of that support. But what I've been telling people is for now, let's just let it sit and, uh, and, and not do anything quite yet. I, these are all good ideas and they're all ideas I'm considering, but I do want to work with Amazon first to get a final resolution before we do anything. I'm, I'm a little choked up. Those 
We have wonderful listeners. I know. That's it's, fantastic. It's quite incredible. Between health advice and just general support on anything like this, it's really quite amazing. So, um, I, yeah, a huge thank you to everyone who's who's written in with their messages of support and offers for donations and all this kind of stuff. It's all fantastic, and we are definitely going to do something but for now, we just need to go through the process and, and make sure we deal, you know, with the situation at hand before we start anything else. That right. that just makes sense and it's got to happen. So um, once we do that and once I have a chance to communicate with Amazon, see how that all wraps up, hopefully in a positive way, um, then we will then we'll decide where to go from there. But uh, I just wanted to let everyone know that I've got all your messages, your emails, um, you know, Facebook messages, everything like that. We're considering all kinds of ideas, um, but we're going to just wait and sort of do this the right way before we jump into anything else. So um, I will hopefully have more answers for you next week, but I'll send I'll, you know, give you a brief update then regardless of what's going on. Cool. All right. So just before we get into the feedback, as we always do, let's take a look at the ratings from last week. And for episode six, the King, the Widow and Rick, it's up a little bit up to eight. Oh, good. Yeah. 8.28. So that's up from the 7.85 the week before. And we're back up above the 8 million mark, which, you know, makes me feel pretty good considering, uh, even considering how kind of low that is compared comparatively but it's above eight so that's okay that's good it's been such a roller coaster with the ratings well it it has been but i think i'm still just getting used to the fact that we are now normalizing into the eight eight to eight and a half range which isn't somewhere we've been in quite some time we've been over 10 for a long time and uh the 7.85 last week was a little concerning but i feel good that it's up again um, maybe that's sort of a boost based on last week's episode. I would assume so. I, and to me, that means more rocket launchers, right? Well, I, I guess. Is there a correlation between the number of rocket launchers and the ratings? Uh, I think there might be. There, there could be. I don't know. Uh, that time Daryl blew up a whole motorcycle gang, probably got good ratings. You probably got good ratings. We have to go back and check that out. Uh, but, you know, rocket launcher, increase in the ratings. The, the then thing he blew up that lake. You remember that? Oh, that's right. He lit the lake on fire. That probably got good ratings, too. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, you know, rocket launchers. Can you, how many different characters have used the rocket launcher? Is it just now Daryl and Rosita? Uh, Daryl and Rosita. I but, mean, Abraham found it, but I don't think he used it. He did not. Uh, no, I don't think he fired it. Then Daryl got it, and he's used it twice. Yeah. And now Rosita has used it or something similar once. Thinking back, have have they had have they had a uh, rocket launcher before? I don't think so. No, they haven't. They had a tank. There was a tank on the show. Yes. Yeah. Not a non-operational. Tanks tank. have nothing to do with the ratings, like zero. But rocket launchers, <laughs> I, I think they do have something to do with the ratings. Okay. More rocket launchers is what we're saying. Yeah. To me, it's obvious. I, I think I think that is a good, obvious thing. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll see how the rest of this first half of season eight pans out over the next couple of weeks. But for now, it's time to do some feedback for season eight, episode six. Listener feedback. All right. Our first uh, email. This isn't actually an email. It was a comment on the website. So I have 
uh, feedback from various different sources this, uh, this week. And this first one is a comment on the post on our website. It's Marta in Madrid, Spain. And Marta says, this was actually my favorite episode so far. Lots of things happening. Certainly wasn't so dark, wasn't dumb, no bullets without target flying around. Most of the characters in it, just as the Walking Dead show used to be. I enjoyed every minute of it. That scene of Carol was really touching. What a scene. What I really want to see next uh, at next episode or last episode before the mid-season finale is if anyone cares about Rick being at the junk place. <laughs> I, sure, I sure hope so. Yes, uh, they're going to have to resolve that. They can't leave him in the in that container for the next two episodes and not come back to it. I mean, Rick has to get out of that before the season uh, season half is over, right? I would I would assume so. It would but, be ridiculous if he was left there, but not unheard yeah. of. They just you know forgotten about Rick's gone. He's in a container. He'll show up in two three seasons. Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Jason in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I wanted to offer some brief feedback uh, from the most recent episode regarding Rick's failed negotiations with Jadis. I noticed that in the scene where Rick's newest proposal was rejected by Jadis, there appears to be no panic in Rick's reaction. Instead, he almost seems slightly amused by the, at the rebuff. Uh, I'm not quite sure whether this means that Rick is being foolishly overconfident, or could it be that he anticipated a rejection and that being taken captive is all part of the larger plan? I just thought it was worth noting, especially given that Andrew Lincoln's talent for facial communication and expression uh, have been broadly acknowledged and exploited as a storytelling technique in the past. Here's the question. Do you think, possibly, that it was Rick's intention all along to get captured? rather than go in there expecting Jadis to say, yeah, sure, I'll make a different deal for, for you. I'm on your side again. So you think he's a, what, what would be the... Well, I don't know. How, how would that be an advantage? I mean, he's naked in a, uh, a shipping container. Yeah. I mean, I, I other than pure enjoyment, uh, how is there an advantage? <laughs> other than that's kind of his thing. <laughs> uh, the idea that he would go there alone with pictures to just say, look, um, uh, the saviors are in trouble and I know you kind of aligned yourself with them before, but you guys are wild cards. Why don't you switch sides again? He even said that switch sides again, which I thought was a funny way of phrasing it, uh, and join us. And like, I, I'm just surprised he would go there with any expectation of that actually working out in his favor. So, so maybe he, he showed up, maybe he's got some bigger plan, which I haven't quite figured out in my brain. I was hoping you could help me that, you know, he's getting captured and this is going to be good for them for some reason. Even if it's just something like, I'm going to walk in there, they're going to capture me. And that's a reason for everyone else to attack them and take them over. I don't know. Well, no, cause that's dumb. Okay. Uh, no, no offense. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just throwing uh, things well, yeah, out I mean, there. He, He's in charge of these people that now have combat experience uh, on a larger scale. Yeah. I mean, uh, why would he need to incentivize them to attack the uh, the garbage people? Why not just lead the attack? Well, I I would think that the the garbage dump is a difficult place to attack. It looks like it's a labyrinth of of passageways through the garbage, including like tunnels and stuff like that. So it's probably an difficult place to attack because you never know where anyone's going to be in there but if yeah. they already have someone on the inside 
maybe that means that they'll let another delegation of people in to negotiate for Rick's um, release, and then they're already inside. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there because yeah. I feel like Rick walking in there not expecting to be taken prisoner is a little bit short-sighted on his part. And maybe there's well, more to it. Rick's got a plan. We don't know what it is, and therefore it'll work. So it'll work. But is being captured or being uh, be, being made a prisoner part of that plan? That's the question. That is the question. I definitely think he has a plan. I'm wondering if being captured is part of it. Maybe he wants to get captured. Maybe he thinks the scavengers are going to take him over to Negan and like present him as a prisoner to Negan. And that gets him into the sanctuary or something like that. I mean, yeah, and he could take a suicide pill and maybe go after Negan that way as a zombie. Maybe he could. I mean, we've never seen that before. Well, second time's a charm, right? If it doesn't, if something doesn't work, try, try again. Yeah, but I would consider Sasha's uh, suicide pill uh, actually a successful thing. Like she, she threw off that whole battle enough that, you know, it chaos ensued. I mean, yeah, she didn't kill the, Negan. Then the tiger showed up and ate somebody appropriate. Hence the chaos. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, anyways, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around Rick going there and being stuck naked in this thing. You know, it's, it just feels like maybe there's more to this. And if for somehow that was his intention and we're going to find out, I guess. I don't know. I think maybe it was. Because why would Jadis not, uh, why would she change sides? Whether it's again or the first time, why would she do that? She's in a position of power. Well, that's right. That's what I mean. Like she's, there's just, there's something we, we haven't been, there's something that hasn't been revealed to us here yet. Yeah. Other than mm -hmm. just whatever the next stage of this plan is. All we know is that the groups were supposed to meet up with Rick and they were going to go back to the sanctuary in two days uh, to end this, whatever that means. So Rick getting captured doesn't, like based on that, it doesn't seem like that's part of it, but who knows? Everybody else is off on their own doing on their own little vengeance missions, I feel like. So maybe, maybe Rick is doing something here too that the rest of the team doesn't even know about. I don't know. There's going to be some big twist and it's all going to come together. And I don't know, Negan's going down. Okay. So how did he know that? Okay. If, it, if this is the plan, the plan for Rick's plan to, uh, go to the scavengers, uh, make the proposal, have it rejected and have them take him prisoner. How does he know that he's going to be taken prisoner? Jadis has, I mean, there was a point of disagreement between them. Jadis has shot him in the past, whether it was a graze or an actual sh shooting. Uh, she pointed the weapon and pulled the trigger trying to kill him. I assume. How does he know that she's not just going to blow his friggin' head off where he stands or, throw him into a pit with some kind of demonic uh, armored zombie uh, that she did in the past as well. Well, I mean, does he know that she grazed him? Like she was standing right beside him on the, on the wall there. If she'd wanted to kill him, it wouldn't have been that hard. Now, I think maybe he is thinking that she grazed him on purpose or, or purposefully missed that shot because like, you know, I feel like even I could hit someone from that close range and I don't have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's pretty hard. Okay. Well, not that I've tried, but I assume that <laughs> uh, it's not that easy. Okay. Maybe not. But 
her, she has some weapon experience, and they were standing right beside each other. So maybe Rick is thinking that, you know what, she had a chance to kill me, she didn't take it. She made a comment to Michonne about lying with Rick, remember? So yep. she has, she has something for him, and by that I just mean she might not have a complete desire to, to kill him off. So she wants him naked and in a storage container and sweaty later. And that's for later. Yeah. (laughs) She put her Rick in a box, right? Right. (laughs) Did you just come up with that? Uh, well, kind of, not really. I heard it earlier, but like funny, not from, I didn't think of it from Jadis's perspective earlier. Anyways. Yeah. It's her Rick in a box. That's nice. That's good. Um, so so I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think Rick may have been slightly overconfident to go there, but if he's thinking she didn't kill me when she had a chance, she's not going to kill me now. So one of two things is going to happen. She's either going to like turn me away and say, we're not joining you, get the hell out of here. Or she's going to strip me down and put me in a box and keep me captured. Uh, but she's not going to kill me. And I don't know. She made at least two half-assed attempts to kill him in the past. Yeah, but they were half-assed. <laughs> Doesn't mean she's going to, you know, third time's a charm. Yeah, I guess so. You know, eventually you're going to have to, eventually you're going to roll uh, over his armor class and things are going to happen. I, I guess eventually, but she's going to have to keep trying. For now, her, yeah. her Rick's in a box. I don't know. He's just, he, he is, uh, if, he, if this is part of his plan to go there and uh, be obviously rejected and then captured and... Uh, made be made prisoner if that's his plan he's got to rethink it because you know there's there's a at least a half-assed chance that she's going to kill him like outright yeah that that is true i mean i'm not so sure i would have just walked in there like that to talk to her but i'm kind of wimpy so i don't know i'd be doing any of this stuff well why would you know if that was the plan why not wait until the middle of the night sneak in and then lock yourself in a box (laughs) <laughs> just at least you'd have your clothes on and maybe a weapon. Yeah. She'll wake up in the morning and be like, Whoa, where did you yeah. come from? <laughs> you know, that, that as far as what happened, that's exactly the same outcome as, uh, what he did. Yeah, I guess so. Other than the, uh, other than the being naked, he'd have clothes on, like you said. Well, uh, as my grandpappy used to say, all will be revealed in the fullness of time. I think it will. Yeah. All right. I next, we so. have an email from uh, Aiden in Runny, Runny, Rainy London. This is going to be a fun episode. Rainy, Runny, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> runny London. Hey there, guys. The last episode was amazing. It was what the uh, the Walking Dead should be. It had zombies, character development, and a dude being blown up with a rocket launcher. To me, when they develop multiple stories at the same time, the show is much better. It's good to have the old uh, the old single character story, but not all the time. Yeah, it's good to have the odd single character story but not all the time. Uh, and I generally agree with Aiden. When they used to do the uh, occasional bottle episode about Morgan or about whoever, uh, that was fine because the rest of the episodes were about the group as a whole. I feel like they got away from that a little bit in seasons six and seven. And now they've come back around to telling stories or creating episodes that involve more of the cast all at once. Uh, now I know Negan's only been in two episodes so far 
this uh, this season, but that's a little different because he's the villain. Um, but I was going to say season eight, um, they might have actually be they might have actually swung back a little too far the other way. Uh, this last episode, anyways, where they've tried to include what's going on with everybody and um, not all of it worked. Except Heath. Well, <laughs> dude, we're never going to see what happened to Heath. He wandered he's, off and he's never going to be back. the end of that. Like, just, just that's it. I, I think somehow they'll probably resolve it. Like, maybe they'll have him back on for one episode and he'll get killed off. But if he never does come back, I'm not going to be totally surprised. Yeah, all right. I might be kind of disappointed, but not surprised. I'm not letting it go. No, <laughs> you're a, you're a team Heath. I'm uh yeah. I want I want to, I want Heath's story resolved. All right, Jason's a Heather. I'm a Heather. All right. Uh, Melissa in Maryland writes. I laughed and laughed when Gregory was dragged into the pen and cracked his own head during his tantrum. Have you guys noticed his progression in how he talks to Maggie? It's a direct, it's indirect proportion to his neediness. Originally, when he felt like Mr. Thing, he called her made up names. Then it was Margaret for a while. And now in his pathetic whiny time of need, it's finally Maggie. All it took was a good dragging. I can't wait to see this asshat get his final comeuppance. But until then, his groveling, butt-kissing, eye-rolling, and flailing are just cracking me up. <laughs> you think someday he'll call her Peggy? Because Peggy's short for Margaret. That's weird. Why is Peggy short for Margaret? Uh, uh, rhyming name shortening is just strange. But uh, Margaret has a lot of different uh, forms, right? There's Maggie, Margie, uh, Peggy, uh Margaret Marge. <laughs> oh yeah, Marge, that's right. Yeah, Margie. That's true. I guess there's a lot of forms, but the Peggy one, I mean, I guess it's like uh William turning into Bill. It's it's weird. Yeah, I think back in the uh like 1600s or something, uh having uh you know, it's like rhyming slang. It's it's uh, you know, rhyming names was all the rage. Yeah. Like when somebody's name was Bill, you called him Will and it was funny and then it just kind of stuck around. Yeah, I, I guess so. It's that's that's how these things happen. There's a reason for Jack it. Jack is short for John. Like, come on. Yeah, really. At least the at least the first letter's the same, though, right? Yeah. Jack is actually a form of Jasper. Yeah, we found out we can call him Jack if we wanted. We're not gonna, but anyway, it's weird. I do like the name Jack. Can I call him Jack? No, you may not. Aww. Well, you can, but not to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who knows? Not when to him when I'm around. When he's, uh, when he's old enough, he can do whatever he wants, obviously. Yeah. He can change his name to Arsenault for all I know. He can do whatever he wants. Okay. Uh, I like the name Jack. Um, I was going to say my middle name is William and you know, that shortens to Will. And there was a time there where I'm like, I should go by Will. That's a cool name, but I never did. You should uh, start now. No, I don't think it would work out so well now, but I'm a William because my grandfather was a William and he went by Bill. So there you go. Well, there you go. Yes. So back to Gregory or Greg or G-Man. <laughs> Gregor. <laughs> Gregor. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's a sniveling little whiny thing. And, uh, you know, Melissa might be right that uh, depending on <laughs> how crappy he feels, he uh, he's taking less and less liberties with... Uh, uh, Maggie's name. Yeah. When he, when he feels like he is in a position of power, he, he 
changes her name up, which is funny. And now that he's in the pen, it's Maggie again. And it, it's, it just speaks to how much of a manipulative prick the guy is. Yeah. Uh, that being said, Xander Berkeley did a great job in this episode. I thought he was cocky when he needed to be, convincingly cocky. And just such a sniveling, groveling little piece of shit when they were dragging him into that pen and he realized that he's no longer a free man. So, uh, Xander Berkeley, um, I don't like Gregory, but he did a great job with it. Oh yeah, he's doing great. He's doing good. Very much so. All right, next we have an email from Martin near Pickering in North Yorkshire, UK. So that's uh, Pickering, UK, not Pickering, Ontario. Yes. Uh, Martin writes... I don't like Gregory and think he should be in a pen, but is he a plant? I Mm. hope not, but there was something about the way that he was watching the two saviors. And then when Maggie asked how he was doing and Jesus said he was cozying up slash making friends, is Maggie using him to gather info or is he just looking to save his own skin? The latter seems more in keeping, but something is making me wonder, uh, wonder maybe he'll get a hero moment. He's saving his skin. I don't know. Maybe uh, Maggie put him in there, knowing full well, like like everybody thinks that uh, he's a, he's an asshat and that uh, he doesn't deserve to be part of the hilltop anymore. So Maggie is using that uh, to throw him into the pen to gather information on her behalf. Do you, does Gregory know this is happening? Is he in on it? Or does she just know what he's going to do in there? He's going to try to make friends with them because he needs to be protected by whomever he is directly connected to at the time. So does, are you saying this is an actual plan or is Maggie just smart enough to know that Gregory might be able to get something out of these people because he's going to, he's going to try to make friends with them? Well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's a... If, if there's anything to this, I think it's a long shot. Uh, and I don't think Maggie has any good feelings about Gregory. So he goes in there as a prisoner, not as an insider. I don't know. I'm fooled. Aren't you fooled? <laughs> I don't know. I don't trust Everybody the... else would be fooled. Yeah, I guess so. I just don't trust the guy at all. Everybody but Martin in yeah. Pickering. <laughs> I don't anyway, know. It's a good. Uh, it's a good question. I hope. Uh, I hope you're right. Well, I suppose it would be interesting, but that means at some point she's going to have to pull him out of there and be like, "So what did they tell you?" And that'll just feel like they're working with Gregory too much. I I want to keep hating him. Well, yeah, but we got to. We need a hero moment before he uh, he kicks the bucket. Oh God! I just. Why can't they just kill someone who's an asshole and let them be an asshole? I don't know. They should do that. I mean, they've probably have, but Gregory's a prime candidate, candidate number one for asshole killing. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we'll see what happens. Next one is Gayatri in Japan. Somehow Carol is always put into situations with kids who she tries to avoid at first, but ultimately gets very involved with. It's hard now to remember the scared mommy she once was. How different things would have been if she had gone off looking for Sophia armed with the attitude and skills she now has. In this episode, she tried to send Henry back, scaring him the same way she scared the cookie-loving kid, except that Henry is probably older and wouldn't back down. Maybe he is as old as Sophia would have been. 
Yeah, they always put her next to kids, you know, for good or for ill. Right. She, she's done some pretty horrible things to children. Yeah. Uh, including murdering them. Now, there were extenuating circumstances there, but uh, even just frightening the crap out of kids, you know, telling them that they're they're going to become monsters, uh, you know, if they go out on their own and stuff like that, which I, are her intentions good? She's trying to scare them into staying safe, right? Maybe she just likes to scare kids, whether, <laughs> you know, it's real uh, or not, you know, scare them uh, in order to save their lives or scare them uh, just before you shoot them. Well, I think Carol generally is trying to scare them into being safe. You know, kids will do stupid things and including wander off and things like that. And they got to know that they can't really do that in this environment because it's just not safe for them. So her approach. But on the other hand, whenever she gets the opportunity, she arms these children. Well, she gives them knives. She gives them guns. Well, she armed Henry. That's true. Um, She's teaching a knife class to the kids on the. uh, uh, Oh, yeah. Back at the prison. She was teaching knife. She was teaching knife school. That's right. Well, yeah. but that's, so, makes, that's smart. She's teaching. That's okay. I'm fine with that. She didn't teach this kid to put the gun. He's like, ah, I saw it. I saw the teaching. So no problem. I know. Here you go. Here's a gun. I know. I know. But it'd be loaded. I don't know. You never take mm-hmm. a weapon without checking to see if it's loaded. First of all, you assume it's loaded and then you check it. Right. Yes. Uh, that's what I would do, I guess. <laughs> uh, anyways, I just think her... Her approach to keeping kids safe is kind of harsh, but I think what she's trying to do is scare them into, like, not doing anything stupid. Instead of, like, educating them and and saying, I don't know, just trying to teach them about the world, she's just saying, it's dangerous. Don't go out there or you're going to die. So she's horrible to children for good and not for evil, and that's the important dividing line. Uh, I guess so, yeah. All right, next we have an email from Paul in England. I enjoyed your discussion about whether or not zombies could catch a deer, and your conclusion is the answer was no, but I have to ask, have you forgotten that we saw them catching a freaking tiger two episodes ago? Well, I did at the time, but I think there's a massive difference between catching a deer and catching a tiger. I did not forget, and I think there's a massive difference between... uh, Well, tigers are fast, okay, but... uh, you know, Shiva got into that situation for a reason, uh, knowing full well what she was doing. She was a, co- a conscious choice to get into uh, amongst a group of zombies in order to achieve a goal, uh, knowing full well that she probably will not survive the experience because she would be surrounded immediately. But this was like two zombies uh, or maybe four zombies chowing down on a deer. They did not surround this deer and catch it yeah the difference for me is the 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 deer yes would have run away and shiva was attacking the zombies so she she got herself into that situation and became overwhelmed whether you believe or not that you know eight or ten zombies would overwhelm a giant tiger uh you know i don't know but that's what happened whereas a deer would normally have run away from any human-like object approaching it right i've seen deer or anything You'd run away from a squirrel, I bet. Oh, yeah, exactly. I've seen deer in the wild and you can't get anywhere near them. And I wouldn't try because that sounds dangerous potentially, but uh, it would run away. So that deer was already dead or injured or something and the zombies came upon it and started eating it. So There's a reason why humans generally hunt deer with ranged weapons. 
Yes. And and not uh, a lasso, for example. <laughs> no, as maybe that's a ranged weapon. Well, I guess it's a ranged weapon. You're right. Well, you know, I'm talking like uh, you know, you don't go after after a deer with a, with a knife. You go, I'm gonna hunt a deer. <laughs> You're gonna be hunted for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So barehanded, uh, slow, uh, not really conscious, undead. Don't really have a chance against it. They have a chance against a deer that is not going to run away, but against a, a live, healthy deer that is capable of being a deer uh, is going to get away. Yes, exactly. So they, it never could, um, but they could kill a tiger if the tiger became overwhelmed and, you know, wasn't running away on purpose. Yeah. Um, so there you go. That's how I see it. Yeah. Jennifer in Glasgow, UK writes, I watched the Epi 5 last night, slept on it, had dreams about Redis, then woke up quite upset. Not because he spurned my advances, quite the opposite, in fact, <laughs> but because of Gimple and whoever else is responsible for the ridiculous heapsters storyline. I really did not believe they could make that any worse, but nope, there's Jadis and a large heapster calmly sculpting wire figures whilst in the nudie Rudy, except for butcher's aprons. At least they got dressed to say no to Rick, along with the other buttock-clenching, cringy lines. Uh, Rick going there alone is a whole other story. How many Walking Dead bigwigs does this shit pass by before making it to my screen? Every one of them agreed that this was a great idea? Yeah, that kind of shit always amazes me. Like, there's there's a lot of people involved uh, in getting something to the screen, and every one of them has to go, yep. Yep, that's a good idea. Yep, yep. Okay, yeah, good. Put it up there. Yep, okay, good. And then it gets out there. But do you Nobody think... Nobody says, no, that's stupid. But do you think there's just... There's like one or two people in charge and then a whole bunch of yes men or yes people? I don't know. I mean, we've all been involved in things where we say, that's a really bad idea. And they go, I hear what you're saying. Do it anyway. Oh, yeah. I've been involved in stuff like that. More than yeah. I'd like to think about sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've fought the good fight on many occasions, but uh, to no avail on more occasions than not. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's kind so, of... yeah. Okay. So, I mean, sure, there's lots of committees and stuff, but uh, there's lots of people giving them good advice that probably should be listened to. But it just amazes me at how many hands something has to go through to get to the screen uh, for such bad ideas to make it all the way there. Yeah. It's, it is strange. Um, but, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what the dynamic is in, in these sort of TV production relationships, right? Uh, and I think it's also possible for people to be too close to something. You know, you can't see the forest for the trees, I think is is yeah. that expression. Um, but this being their, their job, they're supposed to have enough people involved that someone would raise their hand and go, this doesn't make sense. This is dumb. Um, maybe we should try something else. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I didn't really dislike the uh, heapsters or the scavengers in this episode that much. I just think they're kind of doubling down on the weirdness of them, having them sculpt in the nude. And and I think the speech that you dislike so much was actually even more weird and more pronounced in this episode. So I just think they're they're going full on with these people. And, you know, some people are going to be OK with it and others aren't. One thing I noticed in the uh, in the garbage people scenes uh, when as soon as they said to no to Rick and then 
took him away. And I forgot to mention it in the recap show was that there was a whole, there was, first of all, there was two distinct circles of scavengers around the conversation that Rick was having with Jadis. Like there was a, there was Jadis and Rick and a few other people in the center of the circle. Then there was a group of people in a complete, ring and then outside of that was another complete ring and then when they were taking him away all these people in these two rings broke and they all walked around in circles like nobody left the area they all just wandered around each other and then the scene ended like it was a shot from above yep we've seen nobody that. was going anywhere they were just walking around in circles well we've seen that before right they stand in these in these circles around people like we saw that last season when they were first introduced and they do seem to have this weird chaotic thing they do when they break. It's like, yeah, they all just go in different directions and you never really see where it goes because the camera doesn't linger long enough, but it does feel really out there and chaotic and weird when you see it from above. So yeah, I actually paused, went back and rewatched that four seconds of, uh, of footage like five or six times. Yeah. And I noticed people multiple people turning to maintain the perimeter, like to, to actually keep going within that same perimeter. Huh. They weren't actually going anywhere. The only people that went anywhere were the people that were taking Rick. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite the same thing to behold. Go back and watch it. It's weird. Well, that's it. That's what I'm saying. I think they're just doubling down on these people being weird. I don't think they're, and, and, and I think what the people, the showrunners are trying to do is they're just, they speak weird, they dress weird, they do weird things. And then when we get shots like this of them, like breaking the circles and walking away and not really going anywhere, you don't really, it's one of those things where, you know, unless you're like you and you watch it five or six times, you might not really realize that they're just doing strange circles or whatever they're doing, but you know, your brain knows something's off and it just enhances your general feeling of weirdness about them. So I think I think they're just trying to make sure we know that the scavengers are unusual at best. <laughs> they are very unusual. Yeah. For no reason. Uh, they're unusually unusual. Yeah, for no reason that we really know yet. Negan is weird, but that's a character flaw, right? This is like an individual person character flaw, and that's kind of like radiated out to the uh, to the group of people. But all these people that are in the sca uh, saviors uh, are weird because of Negan, but they're not just like Negan. Yeah. Whereas with the scavengers, they're weird because of Jadis, but they all turned into people like Jadis. Yeah. Well, which is weird. The, <laughs> how many times can we say weird in, in like five minutes, but lots. Yeah. Apparently many <laughs> anyways. Anyway, it's yeah. the whole thing is bizarre, strange, odd, Unusual and weird. <laughs> For some reason. For some reason. All right. Our next email comes from Mick, who is at the top end of Down Under. I assume that means the north end of Australia. Probably. Or the southern end? No. The north top, end. The top end. Top you, end? Usually north is up top. Maybe he's underground. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, Mick writes, G'day, Chris and Jason. First time, long time. My holy crap moment was how very little effort it took for Coral to kill the second walker who attacks him after falling onto the deer carcass. He literally taps the muzzle of his pistol on the jaw of the walker, killing it instantaneously. Yeah. So I went back and rewatched the scene where Carl is underneath those walkers and how he shoots them to get out. And my kids were in the room. 
uh, doing something else. So I actually put it on the computer here without the sound turned on and I watched that scene with no sound and it struck me how ridiculous it looked without the audio. Uh, you see him like waving a gun around, barely pointing at anything. No, you don't hear a gunshot. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, the zombie falls backwards or slumps down or whatever. And it, it looks so stupid and made no sense at all. And I realized, boy, is sound ever important? Because <laughs> as soon as you as soon as you hear the gunshot, your brain just buys into the fact that he pulled the trigger, a bullet came out of that gun and shot the zombie in the head. You don't see any of that happen, but your brain just is like, OK, that must be it. But then I turned the sound off and I'm like, huh, he didn't shoot anything there. It's like he tapped that gun against its chin and he was OK. So I guess Mick sort of picked up on that even with sound, but it did seem pretty ridiculous without the audio. And I'm glad they include audio on TV these days. Yeah. Well, they always did. They didn't have, no, they, they invented sound before uh, yeah. on yeah, yeah, yeah. movies before they invented television. Yes, so. they did. All right. So that's good. Anyways, it was an interesting experiment. To, for me to do it it really really changes how you how you see things i think without the sound and i mean i maybe that's obvious to state but yeah. uh i i normally wouldn't have watched it without the sound so yeah it was it was kind of neat but uh i'm glad it was there because otherwise it did really seem like carl didn't have to do anything to get away from those zombies maybe after when the show ends and, uh, you know, us as podcasters go back and rewatch all the episodes again and talk about them some more. Maybe after that's done, we can go back and watch all of the episodes without sound or subtitles. Just, mm -hmm. you know, get the vibe of the show without the sound or subtitles and uh, see what we think. And then we'll go back and just listen to the show. <laughs> We're going to do every different version of this thing we can we'll watch the whole thing with an eye patch on one eye <laughs> i used to do that i used to take uh go to I, I used to record wkrp on audio cassette and just listen to it really oh fuck i love that show oh i, I loved, loved it i love the show too but i used to love i i huh. was always a books on tape kind of guy yeah and i'd run out of books on tape because they were wicked expensive back in the 80s and early 90s and so i'd have to make my own whether that's being, uh, you know, going to the library and renting a book on tape and then making a copy of it. Oh, you bad man. Yeah, very bad man. Uh, or not returning it at all, which is also something I've done. And Doubling down on you the just, bad. Uh, you make, what's that? You're doubling down on the bad man. Oh, you, I'm not allowed to even look at a library in Toronto. <laughs> uh, they know me. Uh, or, or I would take it on uh, television shows and just do audio recordings and listen to it. I thought it was great. That's weird. It's not weird, is it? I think it's weird. <laughs> okay. Someone tally up the number of weirds in this episode, but that's weird. <laughs> All right. Anyway, good times. All right. Next, we have an email from Chris, a Torontonian in Philly. The prisoners couldn't run because they were all tied together. There was a long, continuous rope binding their hands, like when they were being transported from the satellite location on the hilltop. Yeah, so just a quick response to our conversation about if they all just got up and ran, you know, they'd kill some of them, but some of them would also get away. However, if they're all tied together, I think they'd all be killed. Maybe. I mean, you got two opportunities here. You got one for clotheslining. You just, you have a rope that you can easily clothesline your, uh, 
the people that are uh, covering you. Yes. Right? Your, your guards. And two, as long as you're running the straight line, you're fine. You're not going to get tangled. It's not like you don't, like you don't run on mass towards the trees because then you're all going to get fucked. Right, but it, it only takes one of the people to get shot and fall down to start hauling everyone else down too. You can't keep yeah. running as soon as one person goes down. But it's not, like I said before, it's a natural fiber rope. After a day, half those people are going to be free anyway. They the natural fiber stretch. Yeah. Fair enough. They take on water, they get longer, you, you know, you just, all you have to do is spit on them and then pull. Sweat a lot. And, or sweat a lot. Yeah. Or just pull. Well, okay. Um, I think generally though, you tie a bunch of people together and they all try to run in different directions. It's not going to yeah. go well. <laughs> that's why, you know, that's why they don't make handcuffs out of twine. Yeah. They make them out of steel because that's not, that shit don't stretch. Or they make them out of zip cuffs. Which... which are plastic doesn't so that doesn't stretch but then you can get out of zip cuffs too because you can you can twist those put enough torque on them they break yeah they break exactly steel not so easy to get out of unless you're a I magician mean, some people can't do it though well they dislocate their fingers or something right no you can twist them there's a way you can if they have the, the chain links between the the cuffs uh there's a way to um put the chain links in such a position that where you twist your, if you apply enough uh, torque on your wrist, you can break that chain. Well, so now they make the cuffs where there's no actual chain. It's like an interlaced, uh, uh pieces of steel with a pin in it. Well, what's going to break you, first, your wrist bones or your, or the chain? I don't know. It depends on how strong your wrist bones are. I guess so. I've seen, I've seen it done. I've seen it on YouTube. Okay. Well. YouTube shows everything. It shows you everything. That's for sure. Well, not everything, but. Most things. They show you breaking, people breaking handcuffs. Yeah. All right. Next up is Perry in Oregon. I'm listening to the recap right now, and I just had a thought about the whole issue with Daryl and Tara showing up in the nick of time. I went back and forth on this, but ultimately I can buy it, and here's why. Daryl and Tara and Michonne and Rosita were both heading from point A to point B. Rosita stopped their car right smack dab in the middle of the road, so smack dab, in fact, that I doubt a garbage truck could fit around it. Daryl and Tara, coming down the same road, would have come upon one of their cars and investigated, and probably heard the stereo and or gunfire. As for how they got uh, the garbage truck, we saw the scavengers arrive last uh, season finale in at least two garbage trucks, but leave on foot. My only issues now are how timely their arrival was and why they took the garbage truck. I assume the second half of that has to do with Daryl's loopy plan. Right. So the idea that they were kind of going to the same place, so they would have been probably taking the same road, come across their car, and gone to investigate, does make some sense. Right. So as long as you add in a bunch of assumptions and conjecture, it all kind of makes sense except for the timing. Well, fair enough. I mean, you do have to add in a bunch of information that was not in the episode. But if we're looking for an explanation here, we've got two characters going one way to other characters going the same way and something that would draw them to that location, which is music and a lot of gunfire. So it's not based on that. It's not inconceivable that, uh, Daryl and Tara would show up there. Um, it's still kind of a crazy nick of time scenario. And why do they have a garbage truck? Well, maybe it has to do with Daryl's plan. Who knows? But at least there is an explanation potentially for why, they were there at all. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it works, but it, it is what it is. Right. 
Yes, except for if they couldn't get past the car in the garbage truck, was there a road that they could turn off of to get to the place? Well, yeah. Did they push the car out of the way? They would have pushed, the, that's the thing, they would have pushed the car out of the way if they couldn't drive around it, and then they would. They had to drive towards the source of the sound instead of walk through the woods that, like Michonne and Rosita did. Um, still not outside the realm of possibility, but I'm, you know, it's, it's a stretch. It's a pretty big stretch as to why they were there at all. Right. So, you know. Okay. It's all we that got. Good. It's all we got That's for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Christopher. Uh, it's not an email. It's from our Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, he wrote on our Facebook page, I think that the garbage truck, garbage trucks are, garbage trucks are planned to be used in the last step of the overall plan. It's far too convenient for Daryl to suddenly have access to, to a garbage truck. Granted, he is, how tropey again, doing a stupid thing and ignoring the plan for personal vengeance. The lazy writing continues. Let's have Rick go to the trash people alone and get captured. The silly A is nothing but a plot for the bad guys to find Rick in the eventual real final showdown that will happen in the junkyard and not the showdown of the sideshow sanctuary. Right. So he's calling the sanctuary a sideshow. Um, but yeah, I mean, Daryl suddenly has the garbage truck. We've talked about that. And then we just have Rick going into a garbage or a storage container here, and it's it has to be marked so they know where he is, right? I don't yep. know. It's it's a little cynical, but um, if it hap if it rolls out this way, you know, you never know what might happen, and I don't know if I'll be happy about that, but uh, we'll have to see. Maybe they're taking the garbage truck to the sanctuary in order to grab some zombies. Like, how many? Zombies could you fit in a garbage truck, especially if you can compact them a little bit. <laughs> you can squeeze a lot of them in there, I guess. Well, I wouldn't, you wouldn't want to squeeze them too much because they'd all die, right? Or they'd all be, you know, kill their brains. But you could, you could probably squeeze them a bit, get them all nice and tight. Yeah, probably. Uh, I don't think so. I think they're just taking the garbage truck because it's a, a bigger vehicle and more difficult to to blow up. I don't know. Or, or they might think they need a garbage truck to like smash through some of the zombies or, or smash through the gate. You know, if you're going to drive through a gate, you might want to use a garbage truck instead of a little Hyundai Accent or something like that. Uh, yeah. Well, for that, yes, garbage truck would be preferable. Right. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they just need a bigger vehicle for something. All right. I, I really, I really don't know. But, uh, I forgot to mention just going back to Perry's message there, uh, you know, the scavengers did drive some garbage trucks to Alexandria and then they left in a panic because everyone was shooting. So it does make sense that there would be garbage trucks left there for Daryl and Tara to take. Right. And I assume in the back of the garbage truck, there's not garbage that it's, uh, you know, it's set up for tea service or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's if like you're going to table and some chairs and but if, know, maybe if, a bar, if you're going to use the garbage truck as a transport transport for humans you probably clean the garbage out first yeah right and put in a table and chairs and tea sure maybe a samovar of some kind make some coffee oh that'd be nice yeah I could use some coffee why not <laughs> go have <All> some right. <laughs> you're up next we have dan in malvern in the uk 
Hey, Chris and Jason, I was thinking maybe the letter A might just be for marking for, be a marking for alive, as it mostly appears on containers with living people inside. Just a thought. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Alive makes sense. A Sarah makes more sense. To you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A Sarah um, is definitely not alive. Just saying. No, so that doesn't work at all. But uh, these are living, uh, living specimens alive. Right. Okay. I don't know. It's good to know. Yep. All right. Next, we have an email from Andrew in Newfoundland, and this is uh, speculation on the next episode. So, spoilery? Maybe potentially. I just wanted to throw it out there that just in case, uh, just in case anything like comes true. But this is just Andrew speculating on what's going to happen. Right. So Andrew writes, I just finished watching the episode and started wondering how the story is going to progress from here. Rick and the gang are winning and Daryl T-boned any chance of the saviors leading the walkers away from the compound. Dollars to donuts. The final scene of the next episode is going to be Daryl blowing a hole in the compound and letting all the walkers in only to discover the place is empty. Eugene used his smarts to discover Chekhov's hidden tunnels and, le and leads all the saviors to safety and to fight another day. Uh, it sounds like a plausible theory to me, you know? Daryl's yeah. going to show up there, blow a hole in the place and find it empty. That would be quite the turnaround. It would. That'd be, that'd be really interesting. Then uh, Eugene saved the day somehow by hiding everybody inside a garbage truck, uh, slightly squished. <laughs> slightly squished, yeah. Uh, I wonder if Eugene is going to be instrumental in the, the saviors, you know, living to fight another day, like, uh, like Andrew says. You know, that's, that's a pretty interesting thing because he's, he's been in there for a while now, but I don't feel like he has really directly worked against his former friends. But if he does something like this, that's really, 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 um, you know, that's really team Negan at that point. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see where that goes and, and that'll clinch it for me. If, if he does something like that, I just, I don't think he's ever coming back. Then again, he could be doing it under duress to save his life. Negan did threaten him pretty severely if he doesn't come up with a plan to get those zombies out of there. So, you know, I'm pretty sure, uh, uh, Eugene is pretty conflicted at this point. He is. Well, if he's conflicted, he's, he's doing it out of fear. And if he's not conflicted, he's just fully Negan. Well, he's also, uh, Eugene is, uh, you know, he's sidling up to the people that he feels is, uh, are the strongest and have the, give him the greatest, uh, chance of survival. And if that at some point no longer is Negan or the saviors, he's going to switch sides again. But I just don't think he has the guts to do it. Like, he's not the kind of guy who is going to be like, I think Negan isn't protecting me properly anymore. I think Rick could do a better job. There's no way he's going to find a way out of there and back to Alexandria. He just he just doesn't have that kind of uh, gumption. You know what I mean? But he has the smarts to think of something that Rick and the gang need. Maybe. To keep him alive. Because that's all he's been doing is finding what people need in order to keep him alive, whether that need is real or fictional is, uh, it was fine. Just whatever, whatever it is. So he's going to think of something. That's true. He's, he needs to jump ship again. He'll think of something that, uh, that'll keep him alive. He'll come up with something, as you said, it may not be even, even real, but, um, he can convince people that it is, you know? Yes. And, and he's a world kind of class liar. He's awesome. 
That's right, exactly. And that's sort of what he did with Negan when he got there. He convinced them he was this genius who uh, who could help him make the sanctuary stronger. Yeah, because so. really, how could anybody with a mullet lie? You can't. How, can, how is that even possible? <laughs> well, even if they do, you believe them when they, when they speak. Uh, of course. Yeah. I would. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Nick from Connecticut wrote in, and this definitely has a comic spoiler in it and a little bit more episode speculation for uh, next week or future weeks. So if you're sensitive to comic book spoilers, then you should probably uh, skip ahead on this one. But uh, Nick writes, I'd like to point something out about Father Gabe and what I think the show is leading into. I think this whole sweaty Gabe in the closet thing is setting up the contaminated weapons plot from the comics. After Negan mentioned in the trailer that people got sick from wearing the stench coat, Gabe got sick. I'm sure they are going to diagnose Gabe as infected from putting on the gormiflage with open wounds. This will lead into the idea of strategically coating your weapons with walker guts. I think it's a dumb setup, but I would bet money on it. What do you guys think? I think that's a great idea for the comic. Right. So just so you know... Jason, there's a scene in the from the comics where Negan and the Saviors um, launch an attack uh, uh, on Alexandria, and they use ranged weapons that are covered in gore. So, like, you shoot an arrow at someone, it's covered in zombie guts, and it goes into them, and you're sort of infecting them with that those zombie guts. Um, and so Nick is speculating that they're going to get this idea from sick Gabe because they're going to look at him and think, well, he got guts all over him and now he's sick so let's try to do this to everybody that yeah okay so that uh that makes perfect sense and is a uh completely evil thing to do and is uh genius yeah in a way it it, it kind of is uh i'll be evil genius i'll be really point. surprised if this scene doesn't make it into the show um and this seems like the perfect setup for it so yeah good uh good eye on you there nick yeah, good one. Next, we have a call from Designer Will. Hey, Chris and Jason. Designer Will from Brooklyn. And I've got some theories behind the dropping ratings for the show, especially over the past season. Uh, starting with lack of focus, the storyline, I feel, has gotten quite muddy as writers seem to focus on details and quick little payoffs within each of the many, many character vignettes. Uh, lack of surprise. Everything feels familiar definitely at this point, like when a character decides to go somewhere and then another character wants to join in, then they uh, argue about it and act frustrated with each other. Other tropes such as Michonne kicking a tennis ball clumsily to reveal her position, Carl's constant zombie kerfuffles, the overly effective and convenient stench coat solution, never taking a shot at the villain, deus ex machina every episode, um, and uh, lack of emotion. So uh, pretty much everyone is decoupled at this point. You know, I don't want a soap opera, but in the beginning of the show, when people were kind of sort of paired up, there was this uh, feeling of loss when somebody uh, got killed, and, and, you know, we don't have that anymore. We've got this hardcore group of, of guys we know are not going to die, and then the bad guys. So, yeah. Um, I'd say also a lack of uh, clever storyline. So not a ton of plot twists or reveals as of late. It's just been kind of like, oh, Saw that one coming. So the show has in generally become a bit exhaustive or exhausting, I feel like. It began as a believable um, 
kind of show and, and story and then has become more of a caricature of itself full of comical action sequences that are pretty over the top. Now, all that aside, I'm still a fan of the show. I'm always going to watch it, and I love the podcast, but uh, just wanted to offer those up. And finally, do you think Jadis has a 50 cal mounted to her helicopter? Because if so, that would be a hell of a bargaining chip against Rick and the others. Thanks, Will. Um, so he he points out a lot of stuff in there yeah. about how the show has has changed over the years. And I think it speaks to what I was trying to get at a few weeks ago in that it it only gets more and more difficult for the writers and the creators to come up with things that are going to thrill us. But, I, you know, I think Will almost takes it to the next level by saying that it's it's not even at the level it was sort of earlier on at the beginning. It's, it's, it's come down a couple of notches, right? They're, they're, they're presenting us with, um, more and more ridiculous things. And it comes across as lazy in a way. And, and I, I I don't want to say that it is because I'm sure people are trying their best, (laughs) you know, uh, it's their job. They want to put on the best show they can. Um, and they're, they're trying to do that. Uh, so whether it comes off that way or not, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to call anyone lazy, but it does sort of feel that way in a way, but it is a really different show. And I think sometimes when you try too hard to do stuff that is going to, that you're hoping is going to come across as shocking or effective, uh, sometimes you can end up kind of going the other way. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that uh, that he mentions that makes me feel kind of sad because he's right on uh, pretty much all of them, and I think that uh, the fact that they're having a hard, the writers seem to be having a hard time coming up with new things to thrill us, kind of means that they're not looking in the right direction, because I don't think we need to be thrilled all the time. I think we need to be engaged. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be entertained. I don't think we need to be thrilled, and. Uh, the fact that they're trying so hard to thrill us, uh, new and more interesting ways to showcase weird zombies, like uh, the uh, the uh, you know the canisters of uh, what was it? Yeah, the toxic Radio waste. waste. The yeah. toxic waste zombies. Yeah, it was well, it was too much. That was too much. And the fact that we have Days Ex Machina coming in every friggin' episode to uh, make everything. Uh, not have any consequences. Mm-hmm. Like they, they were dealing with this situation and one lady got in the car and when the vehicle with all the speakers and got away. Oh shit. Oh well, nope, no consequences. Everything's fine. Yeah. Because right, just out of nowhere, out of nowhere. That's right. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, and, and I would rather see like having Carl and Sadiq attack those zombies, um, for basically no reason and put themselves in danger and then be so inept at it, which, you know, can happen. You know, if you're surprised by a zombie or something like that, or, or, uh, you know, somehow it, you don't see it coming, then fine. You might not be ready for it, but, um, they should have had the upper hand in that situation and what they, you know, so they should have been able to handle it. That being said, they shouldn't have even gotten into that situation. Right. And it felt like, Okay, we have these two characters, and yes, yeah, Sadiq had this whole thing about about releasing their souls, right? So Carl wanted to 
kind of buy into that a little bit, but safety first people, <laughs> you know, there's no yeah. reason to, to take them out, um, like that. And if you're going to be smart about it, and I don't believe that, first of all, Sadiq would kill 275 or whatever his number was, it was high number, uh, and be, you know, be, and, and have that much trouble with it. And I don't believe that Carl, after this amount of time would have that much trouble with it either. They'd come up with a way to lure those zombies away one at a time or spread them out or something, and then deal with one by deal with them one by one. Yeah. So it's, and it's that kind of stuff. If, you know, absolutely failing that, that if we had the exact same situation happened and then they got into that, uh, you know, they went after those zombies and then Carl got Sadiq killed. And then Carl had to live with that. And we had character development on Carl's end on trying to save somebody and ended, ended ending up getting him killed. Mm-hmm. That would be something at least. It but would be. Again, no consequences. You're absolutely right in somebody that killed, uh, that has killed 237 zombies known, like we know that he's killed that many zombies and God knows how many, uh, you remember the, at the beginning of season three, how, uh, when they went into that house, there was no talking it was just they all kind of stormed mm-hmm. into that uh into that house and took o- took all the supplies and killed the zombies and stuff they were such a uh, a well-oiled machine yep and carl is now degraded to being completely inept i don't think so so you're absolutely right these guys know what they're doing at this point yeah and i would rather see them you're right i mean if they're going to get into that fight with those zombies and sadiq got killed and carl had to live with that 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 would have been fine i would have questioned their motive for attacking them any to begin with, but at least there were consequences from it. I would have rather seen them walk through the forest, come upon that group of zombies eating the deer and turn around and walk away because that's the smart thing to do. And, you know, it's, I don't ask for absolute realism. I I know this is a, a TV show about the undead walking around, but I think it just would make sense and it would force them to just do other things to make the show exciting uh, and engaging and a tiny bit more realistic. All that being said, I still think it's a great show. I have a super fun time watching it and talking about it. And I also can find lots of things to love about the show. So it's, you know, there's little of column A, little of column B going on here. That's true. Right. And I hope you feel the same way. <laughs> I do. I, I, I enjoy the show. I think I, uh, I pick more nits than you do. And, uh, I'm a little less forgiving of a few things than, uh, than you are, but, uh, I still enjoy it. Yeah, of course. Well, it's a, it's a fun show to watch and this is a fun podcast to do. So, all right, let's read the last one here. It's Simon on the internet and, uh, Simon writes a king, a widow and Rick walk into a bar. You'd think one of them at least would have seen it. yeah that's right (laughs) we asked for the punchline and there it is there it is (laughs) yep all right thank you so much to everyone who wrote in we will be back on uh, monday when we are going to recap the next episode of the walking dead which is season eight episode seven and it's called time for after which it sounds like something jadis would say it does and i'll bet you a million dollars those words come out of Jadis's mouth next episode yeah that's what uh oh okay so I see why Rick is in a box now for after right and now and then eventually become time for after 
and she's just wearing the, the red apron, and he's not wearing anything at all, and they're inside a box. Yeah, and it's time for after. Nice. Uh, you're right. I think you. I think the scavengers are going to play a bigger part next week. That sounds exactly like something she would say, but if it's something you want to say, get out your phone or your microphone and record that as a title read, and we'll get as many as we can on Monday's podcast. Time for after. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can visit the website at TalkingDeadPodcast.com, and you can find all of our episodes there, as well as a link to send us a voicemail message, which you can use to send send in your comments or thoughts. Um, it's been acting a little funny, that send voicemail thing lately. There's a bit of distortion coming through sometimes on some calls, but not all of them. So um, I, you know, I might look into it a bit with the service that we use for that. But uh, if you just make sure that your volume isn't cranked or something like that and it it's uh it's causing distortion on your your call that might be that might be awesome but if that doesn't work for you you know recording right on your smartphone and emailing it to us usually works pretty well too or if you don't want to record anything just uh send us an email talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com that's where you can also send your entries for our season eight record your favorite scene contest uh, we want to get more of those coming in if we can. So pick a scene from any season of The Walking Dead and with your friends or family or whoever, or even by yourself. You don't need to do it with anyone else, but by yourself, you can do multiple parts and uh, just record it, your own interpretation of it. And when it's all said and done, Jason and I will pick our favorites and send out a uh, big fancy prize pack to the winner. Cool. And I, I've added a prize. Yeah, you have. What is it? I'm adding the uh, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons uh, Dungeon Masters Guide. Very cool. So not Walking Dead related. It has a picture related. of a, a Sararak on it. Oh, nice. That's that's the connection, is that the Sararak is on the cover, and uh, he's a demi-lich. Awesome. Very, very cool. So a D&D book is going in there now. Not everything yep. is Walking Dead, um, but a lot of it is. And uh, now it has a D&D book as well. So very, very cool. Cool. Uh, all right, so get those in, email them to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll try to start playing a few more of them if we can. Um, and then otherwise, find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And I think that is uh, all the best ways to contact us for now. Hopefully the next time we record, I'll have another update on the Amazon situation, uh, but we'll see how that goes. Otherwise, until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thank you for listening. Ciao.